0: Hi there. I'm Austin Hopkins
1: and I'm Haley Robinson.
0: And this is the Wild Idaho Podcast coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love.
1: Each month we'll be exploring a new topic or current event that impacts the environment in Idaho. Join us to learn about the work that we're doing and how you can get involved. Thanks for listening.
0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Wild Idaho Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host Haley Robinson.
1: Hello, listeners.
0: And Haley and I have a special guest today. Um, this was the man who was the first Wild Idaho Podcast interviewee. I think is the correct term. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Johnson, ICL's executive director. Outgoing that's the director. title. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's...
2: that's what I am, executive director. I didn't know yeah. if I had to preface have... that with outgoing or if like that'd be bad. No. Or... no, no. I've I've had the gig longer than there's been such a thing as a podcast.
0: That, well, that's true. That's some context for what <laughs> we're about to talk to you today, um, Rick. As I kind of alluded to, it, and most of our listeners are going to be well aware of, um, you have you've done so much for ICL for so many years, and now you've bought a tiny home or a, a van. <laughs> you're sprinter gonna, van. Sprinter van. You're yep. going to live that van dweller life, and um, and you're leaving ICL. Um, In a professional capacity, you're always here with the family, but part of the reason we we do this podcast is to capture the stories of ICL. Not only what we're currently working on, but really ICL's history. And there's arguably no one better to talk to you about ICL's history than you. So I know you're busy. I know you're you're chasing down a bunch of things, but thank you so much for being here today to talk to us and just kind of chat about all the work you've done over the years.
2: Sounds great. I look forward to it.
1: Yeah, Rick, I'm wondering if you could start out with just a... Kind of thirty thousand foot view for our listeners who may not know as much about your background and history. Like, how'd you come to ICL? How long have you been here?
2: Well, it started out. Um, I moved to Idaho kind of as an accident. Um, just I wrote this today in an essay actually because I'm writing the foreword to a book um, that uh, Mark List, the photographer, is publishing. But uh, I came to Idaho as an accident, really. I've traveled the West a lot, but not really much in Idaho. And I had a friend that invited me to come out for the summer, and I came for the summer. He left after about a month, and um, I never left. So, you know, spent some time here in Idaho. Uh, My very first weekend in 1979, which was a week after I graduated from college, I took a hike into the Boulder Mountains of the Boulder White Clouds. Um, began to absorb some of the the incredible inspiration that Idaho can provide, and um, I was living up in Ketchum, and somebody said, hey, you know, Sun Valley, it's pretty good in the winter, you ought to hang out. So I stayed the summer, I stayed the winter, and and, uh, when I was about 22, I first volunteered and became a member of ICL. Um, My very first trip to Boise was for ICL's 10th anniversary uh, dinner over at the YWCA, it was now it's the YCA, or the WCA now, but it was the YWCA then, um, and Frank Church was our speaker. And, and you said
1: the 10th anniversary dinner, because ICL 10th. is now in the 46th year, right?
2: I know, it's a little daunting. But um, <laughs> yeah. well, no one's dating <laughs> here. No one's yeah, dating Yeah, sorry me. about but, that. <laughs> but yeah, I moved here in 79 when I was probably, what, 21? 20. 20. And uh, 22, I figured it out, is when I started volunteering with ICL. Um, As a volunteer, I plugged in into some wilderness work and got into, there was a lot going on there in the early 80s, um, particularly in 83, 84. There were statewide bills in Congress, a lot of activity with the congressional delegation, and I was invited to join a group of people to go to Washington, D.C. to get trained up and to lobby on Idaho Wilderness as a volunteer. And it was there that I realized that there's this whole cadre of people that do this for a living. And I'm like, oh my God, these people have this as a job. And I, I was just sort of stunned by that and came back to Idaho from that trip thinking, I got to figure out how to get a gig. And I turned that volunteer position into a contract role with ICL. That would have been probably in 84. In um, 1985, I was hired by the Idaho Conservation League to run the public lands program. I think we had a massive staff of three at the time. Um, I had a construction business, and ICL, no disrespect to the early days, but was unable to pay me very much, and I was, it wasn't enough for me to move to Boise. So um, I ended up opening what is now our catch and field office. It was in my um, back room in my house.
0: Yeah. Still to this day, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> not,
2: well, not quite that bad. But uh, so I worked for ICL running the public lands program for about two and a half, three years, and then got a gig with the Sierra Club in Seattle. And I did that for eight or nine years, and then came back to Idaho uh, 24 years ago to run the Idaho Conservation League.
1: That is... a. Uh... That's quite a long time at one organization, Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of different answers to this question, Um, but I'm curious about something that really stands out in your brain as a major accomplishment, something that you're super proud of.
2: I'm proud of the people I work with. I'm proud of the board. I'm proud of the staff. Um, I have individual moments that I'm proud of. Um, It is no small thing to be standing in the Oval Office of the White House um, with Congressman Mike Simpson and have the President of the United States uh, sign the Boulder White Clouds Bill. That was obviously awesome. Um, to be in the East Room of the White House and watch President Obama sign the Oahu Canyonlands Wilderness Bill from the front row, you know, from six feet away, that was awesome. Um, having ICL stop the largest source of airborne mercury in the United States, that was awesome. Um, but is significant is that those things were, they were cool for what we did, but what we've changed, I think, is the culture of conservation in Idaho and ICL's how we work, how we build bridges, how we build collaborative relationships, how we develop an ethic of conservation, and the degree that that is embedded into the staff and embedded into the board embedded into the building we're sitting here is something that I know will endure. And so when I walk away from the Idaho Conservation League, which I will be doing on a professional level in June, um, I'm really um, kind of in awe of the degree that some ideas that I had about how we had to change the practice of conservation have really been embedded here.
0: So so I'm I'm curious, uh, this is going to be kind of a free-flowing question here but I, th- I feel like you have this fantastic legacy with icl a big part of which is the boulder white clouds and, and you just told that story of you know one of your first weekends in idaho you hiked into the boulder white clouds or the boulder mountains you know i'm assuming the fact that you did that hike on a weekend probably meant that you had hiked other places before you were probably an avid outdoor person what was it about that hike that I mean, I, when, whenever anyone talks to you, I feel like your, your love of this state and especially that place just permeates. It's so, it's so easy to pick up on like, man, this guy really cares. And as someone who's probably hiked all over the place, seen a million, like tons of different beautiful landscapes. What is it about Idaho? What is it about the Boulder white clouds? Or is it anything? Like, can you put it into words?
2: Well, I sort of joked with some people once if I'd driven through Moab before I drove through Idaho, I might have been a canyon <laughs> might have been a canyon advocate um but uh yeah i uh, Idaho grabbed me for a bunch of different reasons: One is that it was the first place in the West where I landed. I grew up um just on um outside of the Catskill Mountains of New York on the Hudson River, and I was involved in some Hudson River conservation work as a kid in high school and into college, um, I went outside because I lived outside. Um, The uh, first place I ever lived that had a traffic light, first town I ever lived with a traffic light was Ketchum, Idaho. Um, (laughs) I grew up in rural New York, you know, farming country, and um, it didn't take long to get to a traffic light, but there wasn't one close by. And uh, so I had woods all around my home. I was in the woods all the time. So that was normal to me. But, uh, so outdoors was comfortable, but Idaho is different, and it's different in a lot of ways, one of which is the, the magnitude of the wild country. Um, but the other thing, um, it's the place that hooked me, but it's really this ability to have one person make a difference. And Idaho is where I learned that one person stepping forward at a public hearing or one person writing a comment letter or one person showing up at a city hall meeting um, can make a difference. And I learned that through ICL, certainly. I also learned it for a time I spent as a reporter. Um, I would cover city hall meetings, and I would cover zoning meetings, and all that kind of stuff up in Ketchum for that Home Mountain Express. And I could see an individual citizen impact the direction that the city council was going. But I also really learned it myself at ICL, and that was pretty amazing, really, and so that empowered me, but as years went by, I realized that the strength that I might have is that I could bring other people to the party. I could organize others to show up. If one person can make a difference, 10 really can, or 100 really can, and now I'm in this remarkably enviable place where I'm on the front end of Tens of thousands of people. And every once in a while, we all speak up at once. And we've defeated crazy things in the legislature. We've passed or we've defeated ballot measures that are bad for the environment. We've passed ballot measures to protect the Boise foothills, things like that. And um, it's it's incredibly inspirational to see that lesson of one person can make a difference um, multiplied over and over again. And that's it's pretty good work, if you can get it.
1: <laughs> I have a question. Um, thinking a little bit about, internally, we've talked kind of about the future of conservation. The old guard, people who have been in their jobs like you for you know a couple decades, making giant differences in the work, are starting to kind of phase out and enter different phases of their life, retirement, living in a sprinter van, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with this new generation of people entering conservation and environmental work, what would you tell those people? Do you have advice or thoughts about how they should approach it or what they should be thinking about or how to make the biggest impact for themselves or the places that they care about?
2: I think the key thing is the where I was just talking about how one person can make a difference. There's lots of different ways to do it now. Um, social media connects so many more people. Um, that is good in a lot of ways. I think it's bad in some other ways because it, it cheapens the, the impact that you can have. So I guess one of the things I'd say as advice is don't think because you like something on Facebook or that you comment on something on Facebook that you're doing something. Um, there's a phrase from who knows when but it says 90% of life is showing up. Um, there are times where you really have to get out there and I think the political challenges of today, be they in the White House, be they in the Idaho legislature, or be they with global climate change, require that we show up. And if you don't show up, other people will. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. I think our democratic system is incredibly powerful, but democracy is not a spectator sport. You gotta show up. So I guess my greatest advice is the same thing that our founding fathers said way back in the 1770s. this is a government of the people, for the people, by the people, and it means you have to show up.
0: It's fascinating how so often we hear, we get caught up in the latest technology, be it social media or be it some like interesting way to engage with folks, and yet it still comes down to that, that principle of showing up, being the voice for the thing you care about. Um,
1: Voting. Yeah,
0: <laughs> dare I say, speak truth to power. My <laughs> yeah, favorite for sure. sayings.
2: Absolutely. No, I was just, last week I was up in Coeur d'Alene and I had four hours with Mary Lou Reed, who is um, our lead founder. And, you know, sort of, you know, started the podcast by saying something that I, you know, I can talk about ICL for days at this point. And I'm one of the rare people at this point that bridges the early days of ICL. I wasn't around for the start, but I knew the people that were around for the start. They were friends of mine and colleagues and some of them are passing on, but I spent four hours with Mary Lou, and, and we were talking about these changes, but she is in her 80s just as active as she has ever been, and to see that is very inspiring, because I know I will be active to the end, because it's frankly fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy it, and I also see the, the rewards, but um, that opportunity to engage in the 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 joy that can come from seeing something you care about um, positively transform, whether it's, you know, healthcare expansion for citizens of Idaho, whether it's issues related to energy sustainability, whether it's the air you breathe, water you drink, any of this stuff. Um, There's so many ways to plug in, and it's frankly fun and inspiring, and it builds community, and you know, I met my wife through ICL. I met some of my closest friends through ICL. One I met, of them
1: named Haley Robinson.
2: I met all <laughs> kinds of people that are through ICL. And it's, it's, uh, these are lifelong things. Um, the pursuit of doing good brings you in touch with good people. And that's, um, that's joyful. That's fun. It's a hell of a way to make a living. I've said this a couple times, but I mean, it's remarkable that I've had the opportunity to have my entire professional career um, be about protecting this place called Idaho. It's it's I I'm just stunned by that.
0: Can I, I have kind of a personal question, and I and feel free to like not answer this if if you're not comfortable, but I, I think speaking to that passion component of what we do, I think we all get we all have this deep passion for the work that ICL does and the work that we are all so fortunate to do to the extent that, that sometimes when people make comments about ICL, you know, I've noticed that I've, I've only been here three and a half years and I kind of take that personally. It's like, that's my identity. They're critiquing. It's not, maybe we legitimately dropped the ball or did something wrong, but it, it feels so personal. And I imagine you know, someone who's been with this organization for so long and, and really built this organization to what it is today, how do you how do you handle that? Like how do you you suggesting out? that
2: everything wasn't perfect?
0: How do you not take it personal if someone yeah. says something with ICL? Oh.
2: it's you know that's a that's a good there are a couple different piece, layers to that. One is we make mistakes and some of those mistakes are little, some of those mistakes are big strategic ones, some of those are, are mistakes of omission, where we should have done something but we didn't, that's probably the most common. Um, you know, issues of diversity and inclusion today, um, you know, we should have been working on those 10 years ago. Um, it's a valid critique that we weren't. But at the same time, um, I think ICL is, is part of our culture is that we get out there, we try the best we can, and we make mistakes. Um, I'm a believer in fail fast, and I'm also a believer in empowering people. I think that as, because I came as a volunteer, um, there were people that put trust in me, and I put trust in our staff, and our board, and our volunteers, and it's okay to fail. Um, it's also, I know it's got really hard politics. I was trying to say that in a way that's family friendly. It's got really hard politics. And, you know, behind you, Austin, is a framed thing where 10 versions of the Boulder White Clouds bill that were introduced in Congress are on the wall. And the fact that it took 10 introductions of that bill, 15 years in Congress, before we got to the president's desk suggests not everything went right. But I, while
0: we're on this subject, I just want to note for folks. So as as Rick's pointing out, there's ten of these. Idaho's politics are hard, but it's also there's an optimism to it. And so there's there's notes on every bill. Um, some of them say this is the one. Um, <laughs> what are some of the other notes? You can, you can probably recite these now.
2: Um, oh, all in. Um, the latest and best version. Wait, yeah. Here we go again.
0: They, not one of these bills says, I'm over this, I don't care anymore. There's, no. this, there's this optimism that's captured. The last
2: one, though, that Simpson wrote, these are all notes that are written by Mike Simpson. He would introduce the bill, and then he would send me the copy. Because in the very beginning, I knew we were doing something historic. I just didn't think it would take 15 years. <laughs> but the very last one, which was at the heart of the National Monument campaign, and we had reached the point where we're either going to pass the law in Congress or the president was going to create a national monument. And at that point, he introduced the final version. And Mike Simpson wrote, the Elvis version, (laughs) quote-unquote, it's now or never. (laughs) And (laughs) it was pretty awesome. Because by then, I was pretty sure we were going to win. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And right next to it is the picture of me with Obama and the bill signing and and my... my, uh, not copy, what do you call it, my pen from the bill signing. Um, I'll note that we as a staff were in the Idaho History Museum just last week looking at Mike Simpson's uh, copy, not copy again, I can't, I mean, you know what you say, um, his pen from the signing. Um, many people don't know this, but it's when a president signs a bill, they take six or eight Identical pens and sign part of the name with one, part of the name with the other, part of the, so that a handful of people can get one of the original pens, which is sort of a weird, DC
1: interesting thing. tradition.
2: Interesting tradition, but that's why I have a pen and why there's also one in the museum.
1: Well, echoing something Austin said, even though there are ten versions, it also speaks to some amount of perseverance, right? That. Y-
2: yeah, don't give up. Yeah. I guess that goes back to the one person makes a difference. I can tell you for sure that time that you go out there and test your one person makes a difference, it's possible you will not win.
1: And so, <laughs> will um, not win ten times in a row, perhaps.
2: Maybe <laughs> you know, for fifteen. Actually, while we were in the White House, the president was saying something to Mike Simpson, saying, wow, this is amazing, you've been working on this for fifteen years. And, and Simpson turned to me and said, well, Rick here, he's been working on it for thirty. Um, and it's true, I was working on it for thirty but, yeah, you're not going to win the first time, and you're not going to win the second probably either. But um, you will see other things happen. You will make new friends. You will have new relationships. You will, have, you will see progress that might not be the singular pro- piece. You know, the folks working on global climate change right now are not any single one of them going to solve it. But each and every one of the people that are in it for real are going to see some incremental peace. Um, and you have to celebrate those incremental steps. Um, and I think that's one of the strengths of ICL. Um, we are comfortable with incremental wins. And we have built that into our culture. And if you're, um, I'm not a sports person, but you know, if you think about baseball, we win with base hits. We win with the small hits, the small sort of ugly play. Um, and if, if you're swinging for home runs all the time, first off, you don't get them. Um, The other thing about it is you look like you're crazy. And one of the things that I'm also very proud of at ICL is we don't look like we're crazy. You know, we're sitting in this building we own. It's a block from the Idaho State House. Legislators, I mean, it used to be that I was trying to figure out some way for us to climb in the window and get (laughs) into these various tables where deals are cut. Now the door is open. We walk in the front door and we sit down, every single member of our staff, has the ability to walk in the front door of the halls of power in this state. And uh, that didn't used to be true, so I feel good about that.
1: I, I, oh, sorry.
0: I just want to attest to that. When I first started with ICL, um, I would walk into these these big rulemakings as a no one. No one recognized me, no one even knew my name, but the moment I introduced myself as a, a staff member of ICL, people listened. And I think that's, that's a testament to the the culture, the organization you've built here. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us newer staff are very appreciative that we have a voice at those tables. And, and one of those things that's so important for us not to take for granted. So, thank now, you. One
2: key thing about that is, is the word you said, um, that, that I've built it. And, and I had a role in it, to be sure, but um, the key thing that led to being able to build this is, is being supported. Um, Hillary Clinton, years ago, said it takes a village. And it really does take a village, and uh, we would not be where ICL is today were it not for the fact that we were supported by these extraordinary people like Mary Lou Reed who created the organization in 1973, by people that took a leap of faith and just forked over a couple early donations, allowed us to hire our first staff, and to build the organization from this scrappy bunch of activists to something more akin to an institution. I don't think anybody doesn't believe that ICL's here for the long haul. And that took the support of thousands of people across the state, people investing in something that, that it's hard to put a value on, but you feel it in your gut, and that people have invested in ICL is an extraordinary thing. And then that we were able to bring in this talented group of people over many, many, many years on our board of directors, over many, many years on our staff, Um, and now I'm in this place where, um, you know, we had a staff meeting the other day where we were looking at a photo archive and, you know, right away in that archive, I saw people that are no longer with us. And I'm increasingly aware of this incredibly poignant thing that we're here for a short time. But the place we care about, whether it's Idaho's backcountry, whether it's clean air, whether it's the earth itself, um, is is here for the long haul as long as all of us who are here for that short amount of time um, do something about it.
1: So when you look to the future, do you feel optimistic about what you see for ICL, for the state, for the United States?
2: I, I'm a, a weird and warped personality. I wake up every single day as an optimist. I, I suffer, as Barack Obama said, I suffer from hope. <laughs> um, I am just been that way since I was a little kid. I have never believed that I couldn't do something. I fully acknowledge that is probably born of white privilege and being in an affluent household and being able to just assume I was going to college and assume I could do anything. Um, um, but that said, um, working for a nonprofit is a little bit less on the affluent scale and a little less on the privileged scale. But the um, but nevertheless, uh, I have extreme optimism that when people care and they are actually doing work that is good and brings people together rather than divides people, ICL builds bridges. We don't build walls. We, have our, we do our work with an extended hand, and that work builds the community of conservation. That builds ever greater numbers of people that give a damn, and every single day, we win something. They may not be big things. They may not make the headlines, but every single day, we advance the ball. And as Martin Luther King said more eloquently than I can even repeat. But over time, the arc of history bends towards justice. I know we're winning. And as long as we don't give up and as long as we keep bringing people together, I'm incredibly optimistic.
0: So we're, we, as we noted, we could talk to you for hours on all things ICL, um, but we're kind of coming up towards the, the end of our, our time here with the, the typical length episode. I think it'd be kind of fun in closing to get your thoughts on um, one thing that you you've said to a lot of the staff that's always resonated with me is whenever we're all kind of contemplating a a new idea or like on the fence about something, um, I'm going to do my best to paraphrase this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, if you do this today, things will happen that you have no idea are possible. And you know, that, that gives me hope for the future. You know, kind of, there's this exciting component looking forward I'm curious from your perspective looking back um, seeing where you are today can you trace that back to one moment where you when you look back on, on your time doing this work you say man had I not made that decision on that day I wouldn't be where I am today
2: there's a bunch of those um, just using that, that quote you were, you were giving to me um, right in back of me on the wall there's a little message posting Right here. And it's it's just one of those while you were out phone messages. And it's from a person named Del Langbauer at the Harder Foundation. And it's dated March 4th and it doesn't have the year. But I can tell you that it was probably nineteen ninety-six. And it says, please call before you go uh, regarding endowment grant proposal. And that was a challenge grant that the Harder Foundation gave the Idaho Conservation League. And it was Del Langbauer who told us at a board meeting, if you do this well, things will happen you have no way of predicting today. And that is one of those messages that I could tell when he said it that I would never forget it for the rest of my life. And it was a snowy day at Redfish Lake at our Wild Idaho Conference. And he was challenging us to raise $150,000 for our endowment. And if we succeeded, we had two years to do it. And if we succeeded, we couldn't come back to the foundation for any money for seven years. So I was confident we'd succeed. And I was also thinking that I probably wouldn't be around at the end of that seven years, so I didn't care. <laughs> um, so, um, but that was a long time ago. Um, we raised that $150,000 in eight months we ended up raising a million dollars to create the ICL endowment. And what we did in that time, and what I did in that time, is stop asking for donations to support our day-to-day work, and I began to ask for support, to support an organization that would endure longer than I would, would endure longer than you guys will, and that was here for the future. And when I stopped talking about the work of today, and started talking about conservation tomorrow, into the future, our strategies changed, I changed, and the organization changed. And that is where the difference came. That's where we became the Idaho Conservation League with capital letters, not just a bunch of scrappy people. And that I happened to be around for that was a cool thing, Um, very uh, humbling in a lot of ways. Um, and I look to the future for bigger and better things. Um, but I can tell you there were certain moments, certain steps, um, that we did make that were very significant. The endowment, which was originally created by Walt Minnick, who was a timber executive, businessman here in Boise. He joined ICL the very first year we were created. Um, he would later, um run for Congress and serve in Congress, a mentor to me, Um, but when he created the, when I called him to say that we had finished the campaign where he challenged us to raise a million dollars, when I called him to say we had pulled it off, he said, you will do many great things in your career, but there will be nothing more significant than having created this endowment. And it is because it turned us into an institution And, um, that is a, that's a great thing.
1: Well, I'm sure that I speak for more than myself when I say thank you for all of your years of service to the organization and for setting up the organization that I love to work for and that I feel very passionate and privileged to be a part of.
0: Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a, a lot to digest here. So much hard work over the years and, um, yeah, just filled with so much gratitude hearing some of these stories that, especially the talk of the people who came before our time and just need to kind of connect with them through you, so.
1: Just, I have a, one more kind of final question. As you pass the baton on to Justin Hayes, who will be the next executive director of the Idaho Conservation League, um, do you have a message or any thoughts for our listeners, members, and supporters about kind of the future of ICL and... Um, Maybe a few words of <laughs> inspiration and uh, the it'll be okay message.
2: Well, it certainly will be okay. Um, the key thing is get outside, spend a little time, and let Idaho talk to you. Let, let your kids, little kids who care about the outdoors, talk to you. And come back to how you personally can make a difference step forward, be a member, be a supporter of the Idaho Conservation League. Um, We were founded back in 1973 to keep Idaho, Idaho, and over all that time, that has changed so much about what that really means. So I just encourage folks to participate, be part of it, and um, remember that one person can make a difference.
0: Nice. Always good advice. that wraps up another episode of the Wild Idaho podcast. Thank you everyone who, who has been a member for years and has, are a part of the I, uh, ICL family. We truly appreciate it. Um, for those listeners who aren't an ICL member yet, go to idahoconservation.org, click on that join button and join our family. We'd love to have you. Um, This kind of support makes all this work possible, everything you just heard Rick talk about over the years, as well as this podcast. So we we truly appreciate all that
1: support. And if you enjoy listening to the Wild Idaho podcast, please share it with your friends, family, neighbor, mailman, whoever. Uh, Leave us a comment, tell us if there's any topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, and we'd be happy to um, put them into the hopper.
0: And with that, we'll see you guys next time.